Hello, and welcome back to Blue Ball Skeptics. This is the first episode, or the second half of the first episode, or possibly the second episode. And we don't have intro music right now because people are complaining about the intro music we used in the first episode, which I think is weird because, I mean, come on, it's, I'm blue. It, okay, I, I don't know what an earworm is, I'm getting complaints about that. So, no more intro music. If you have suggestions for intro music, please uh, tweet them to Bird Terrifier, that's Bird Terrifier, he who frightens the birds, which I think is colloquially British, I'm not sure. Anyway, back to the rest of the show. So, <laughs> so part of this book is talking about what's terrible, but also what makes something scientific. All right, how did the social sciences graduate into a science, you know, a more rigorous uh, way of studying people and studying of all sorts of things in social sciences? I, I I think that's a great question. I think it's a little flawed though because it assumes that there's been some sort of massive shift or change. Oh, okay. Over the last 100, 150 years, the methodology's been there, right? The methodology's been there. The uh, scientific method hasn't changed all that much, right? Uh, some of our ways of thinking in terms of philosophy of science certainly have changed, but I think the methodology is fairly sound. It's been sound for a long time. What it is is, is the application of that methodology. And so today, I think that what we hope is happening is that there is a less biased application of that methodology. But one of the things I think that our book shows is that there's very unbiased applications of this happening 100 plus years ago as well. Mm -hmm. There's biased applications, but there's non-biased applications as well. Same thing's happening today, I believe. Um, across all sorts of different areas of study. Um, one of the ones that I've looked at and that we've studied uh, in particular is intelligence differences amongst groups, uh, where you look at, for example, uh, one of the, I, I ran a series of, uh, of blogs on what we know or what we think we know about differences in intelligence between uh, believers and non-believers. Mm -hmm. So the theistic and the non-theistic. And what you see is you see a, a fairly large number of studies out there that are showing, uh, in just in their results, they're showing, oh, no, no, atheists are much smarter than, than theists. Right. Uh, and then you see, you know, huge numbers of people in the non-theistic population who are like, well, of course we are. <laughs> this completely confirms what I knew, so obviously I believe it. Do you uh, see those sheeple over there? That's right. <laughs> Do you see them believing in things that I don't believe in? Of course I'm smarter than they are. Which sounds in no way similar to what everyone else thinks. When they think about <laughs> right. Things, right? Yeah. Um, and one of the things that we have critiqued uh, on those blogs and, and some upcoming papers is that methodology that's been used to show that. Um, which is soundly terrible in most regards uh -huh. where you're either uh, you're not directly measuring things like religiosity you're not directly measuring things like intelligence even um, you're using uh, one of the larger studies by a fairly discredited uh, researcher uh, Kawanza it used estimates of national IQ what the how the hell do you estimate a national IQ? Well, he went oh, back right. and looked at stuff that was forty and fifty years old, 
And what he found was that the national IQ for most uh, most countries in in Africa was actually in the mentally retarded range. <laughs> right. And, oh, well, they're very religious, so therefore that makes complete sense, right? Uh, never mind the fact that we're testing these people on very biased ways, right? Right. Um, and so I, I think it, it's not necessarily a how did the social sciences graduate and become more scientific. It's how did we start weeding more of the less scientific, more biased work out. Uh, and I think in large part that's due to increased openness of peer review. Uh, where it's, it's I'm going to have more people review you. We're going to publish data sets now and we're going to encourage that. Uh, and we've seen this with the, the online um, open, fa- open source journals. Right, right, right. Uh, that are Creative Commons licensed, for example. Where yeah, you can publish this. Um, you know, you're you're paying to publish it, but it's not that you're paying to get it published. It's that there's a publishing fee because we're not uh, selling ads anymore. We want this data to be open and easily accessed, and so it's being supported. You know, your fees are generally paid through grants that you've gotten and things like that. Now, but there are some limitations. Like, I think there's a reason why social sciences were more susceptible to this perversion than, say, like, molecular sure. science. Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, they're definitely so. Uh, because, you know, think of the questions that we're asking. How many people have a, a really, you know, belief system-based, closely held belief about what the speed of light in a vacuum is? <laughs> right? right? I mean, uh, you don't have groups that are fighting about this yeah. out on the streets and killing <clears throat> each other. It's, you know, we got right. the vacuumists and the non-vacuumists about what's the best way to measure the speed of light. Right? The etherists. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, the Michelson-Morley faction. <laughs> yeah. But if you ask a question like, okay, well, who's more intelligent, whites or blacks? All of a sudden, lots of people care about that, right? Or and like, so, IQ is a thing. Right, right. You get is intelligence out a thing? No! I need to get back to that at some point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so what you, I mean, I think the questions that we ask in the social sciences are much more personal, right? Uh-huh. Um, even in something like, like geology, tectonic plates are fairly impersonal. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I don't I know one. I no problem believing that. Yeah, I, I, no I don't It'll know one. Over Who care. are they? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's not like there's a black tectonic plate and a white tectonic <laughs> plate and a Puerto Rican tectonic plate. Well, I'm uh, pretty sure that Puerto Rico has its own tectonic plate. <laughs> We're very proud of it. <laughs> We've named it. We actually have a holiday. Uh, we celebrate it. Right. For life, bitch. Uh, but no, but the, the questions that we ask in the social sciences are much more personal, right? Um, who are are you? Who am I? Uh, why are we different? Why are we not different? Uh, why are you this way and I'm that way? I mean, these are much more personal questions. You also have to physics. go by survey data. Like A lot of times, yeah. We, like, you know... In Europe, they're smashing particles together at high, you know, at high speeds. Sure. Like, what if we couldn't do the same with humans? Like, like well, let's... They would let's, explode. Let's, let's explain, yeah. you know, yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, let's study the effects of two people, you know. Let's, let's put them in the same environment. Let's make one go 35 miles an hour, let go 50 miles an hour, we'll have them crash into one another. And let's, let's see what happens. Right. Like, we I can't do that. Good luck getting that past the ethics board. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is the whole reason why we have the <laughs> institutional review board as it is. Because we used to do shit like that. <laughs> we well, just smash humans together. Yeah. 
Yeah, and people are like, okay, that sounds sounds reasonable. I think. <laughs> I really want to see this. white humans. No, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I I think you know even the work that we can do that is highly experimental. Um, you know, we can't do the same sort of things that they do in physics, mm-hmm. uh, uh, even in you know many kinds of biology studies. You know, what we're looking at is we're looking at. In my opinion, and the people, people uh, opinion of people like E.O. Wilson, uh, we're looking at much more difficult questions to answer. I think so too. Uh, I think it's extremely difficult. And you know, if I'm looking at you and I'm saying, you know, why does this person have obsessive compulsive disorder when their twin does not? Uh-huh. You know, that's a lot harder than you know. Why is this mountain range taller than that mountain range? Mm-hmm. You gotta like figure out what are the factors, what are the mutations. Yeah, there's a lot to. Yeah, and we and we can't run those sort of you know from birth controlled studies, yeah. right? So I'm be like, all right, we're gonna take these two twins, we're gonna put you in this environment, we're gonna put you in that environment, and go, and then we're gonna wait. Ethically run. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, one of, one of the first uh, psychology studies, a little fun fact for you, was run by an Egyptian pharaoh who basically did that. He, he wanted to know what the uh, the oldest human language was, uh, sort of the root language. And so he, he put took infants and isolated them oh, for shit. several years. That's awful. And then he had them bring bring them before him, and uh, whatever their their noises sounded like, he thought, well, their noises will reflect the oldest language. So they were taken care and of by so, people who weren't allowed to talk to them. Right. They were basically just sort of shut into a, uh, a closet. Although so they were like called feral children. Different. Yeah. They sound like wolves, probably. Yeah, Pharaoh children, <laughs> really. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, I, no. It's come out. I love bad puns. <laughs> and I really can't help myself sometimes. Uh, yeah. But I mean, we can't do that. Head over here, so. <laughs> we can't do that sort of thing. Now, no, right? we can't. Um, but we can know stories. Like, we do know of children... Who, who were neglected that. like that? We, we knew about Ishii. Quasi-experimental studies, right? right? So here's this pre-existing differences, and let me look at you and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, from a lot of questions, that's about the best we can do. Uh, not to say there's tons and tons of great experimental research happening in psychology, for example. Yeah. Uh, but for a lot of the, the questions that most sort of excite people, why are you this way instead of this way? A lot of that stuff is really hard to do experimental research. Absolutely. Okay, so is race a thing? <laughs> is, is race a thing? How about IQ? Is that a thing? Yeah, that's, that's what I meant to say. Um, and, and testing intelligence. Um, it seems that the people in your book pretty much thought there's no problem with that. We can assume a general intelligence and we can test for it. And you uh, you heavily cite Stephen Jay Gould in your very in your first essay in this book. Which, and, and as we know, he is the anti psychometrician. He, sure, he doesn't sure. really believe you can. And there's a school of thought that you can't measure intelligence. But intelligence is too multifaceted and complex to be reduced to a single G loaded factor. Right. Can we measure intelligence? Well, that depends on how you define intelligence. Uh, <laughs> so, so, intelligence is a social construct. Can we define intelligence? <laughs> can we defi- I think Every definition is a social construct, I think. <laughs> That's what happens when you get anthropologists and psychologists together. It's a word with a meaning. It is a social construct. So, um, we give thousands and thousands and thousands of intelligence tests 
per year just in this state. In, this, in Oklahoma. In, in, just in Oklahoma. And we're like, God, we're uh, still stuck. Just, <laughs> just in the Oklahoma City metro area. We're still behind everyone. <laughs> Why? God damn it. Why? Uh, it, and, you know, one of the things that people learn in psychology graduate programs is how to do intelligence testing. Uh, and so when you ask, you know, is, is intelligence a thing? Well, we're obviously measuring something. Mm-hmm. What is that something that we're measuring, though, is the question. Uh, is that some sort of natural, fantastic metric that this is exactly how you're going to do in life? Well, there's lots of good research showing there's very high correlations between scores on IQ tests and things like earning potential, uh, how far you go in jobs, health even, uh, and how long you live. So there's obviously something going on there. Mm-hmm. But I think the problem that comes a lot is that People tend to equate that as being sort of deterministic. Like, this is the only thing that determines whether or not you'll succeed or fail. Um, So, I mean, I I don't know about you guys' background, but when I went to college, uh, I was in the honors dorm up at Oklahoma State University. Mm -hmm. And so I was was living there with four floors of the supposedly brightest and best folks. And there were people there that had scored... Perfectly on their their SAT or their ACT, right? And they weren't there the second semester because they flunked their ass out of college. <laughs> it's almost like they developed no study skills. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like that. And you know, I know extremely smart people that you know are working jobs that you would say, "Really, but you're really smart. Why would you be working that low level of a job?" Right? Yes. Um, and so, you know. The problem for me is that too often you have this emphasis placed on a, a score, whether that's a G score, like a uh, an overall IQ score that you get from a Wexler exam or a Woodcock Johnson exam, uh, or that's something like here's an SAT or ACT score. You know, placing any placing undue emphasis on a particular score to me is the problem. It's not necessarily that we're measuring this or that. It's how much you are weighting that in decision making. Uh, and so when you have something like, you know, what is intelligence? There's tons and tons of different uh, hypotheses and theories about intelligence where you've got Gardner's multiple intelligences theory and you've got uh, the triarchic model of intelligence by uh, Robert Sternberg and then you've got, you know, these G theories. And, uh, and the G theories, theories are that most of these different kinds of intelligences are, are generally going to be correlated. In right. the statistical run of things, people who are really good at English are going to be kind of good at math, yeah, at least. Most likely. And those who aren't, then we tend to think of those as having learning disabilities. Or like savant-like tendencies. Right, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. splinter skills. Right, yeah. Uh, Something weird. <clears throat> and so, you know, when you look at these these overall measures of intelligence, these tests of intelligence, they do tell you things. They tell you how good someone's vocabulary is. So they tell you how good someone is at a particular kind of visuospatial reasoning. Mm-hmm. Uh, do they tell you, here's exactly how this person's going to do in life? No, they don't. I mean, there's too many other factors, and that's kind of what you know, Chaz and I were talking about earlier in terms of there's so many other things going on when you're talking about people that you can't control that makes it really hard to say, here's the variable. Um, you know, when we look at, at studies and we, as psychologists, we get really excited if a variable 
if if the variance in one variable is able to account for another at you know a a twenty percent level, like oh, twenty percent <laughs> of the variance in IQ was explained by this. Like we get all excited because it's like holy shit! Like that's a that's a large amount of variance explained by one single variable, right? Uh, Which in physics is like whatever. whatever right in physics, you're like twenty <laughs> percent. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Throw that back with alchemy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in the social sciences, we get really excited about that uh, because there's so many things acting upon us uh, that it's it's really hard to control uh, that sort of thing. So. Okay. I don't know if that's a good answer. No, for no, no, no. It's, it's a very nuanced and non-committal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that describes. No, most I think of you're saying things. that you know IQ is a signal. You know, it's telling you a part of the story, and it could be a part of a success story, or it could also be a part of a tragic story. Where you, like Damon said, you didn't study because you weren't challenged in high school, and you went to college, and the challenge was so great that you didn't have the skills. Although you didn't have the talent. And well, now like, you're juggling fire for a living. Right. <laughs> Not to name names. Not to name names. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that it's important to say you're talking about your performance on this in a particular area, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm able to perform this way on this task. That doesn't say necessarily I'm going to perform this way on all these other tasks or that I wouldn't perform differently on this task if I was in a different environment growing up or had a different kind of educational background uh, or if I wasn't sick on the day of my test, right? Or if if the, my test wasn't interrupted by, by a very loud train going by or something like that. <laughs> and so you've got all these other things, again, outside of just someone's quote-unquote intelligence uh, that play a huge role in their life. So you work at a university, at the oldest public university in the state. I do. The most prestigious public university in all of Edmond. <laughs> where, where we live. By the way, we're doing our first show. We're co-located. This is, we, never, we never get to I know. Actually, no, we don't. We never get to actually be in the same room, but we are in the same room. Um, and colleges are going to keep testing people when they sure. come in and say, you know, sure. do you have the skill sets that we think that we need you to have to cram whatever a college degree means into your head? Or another whatever, however you cram a college degree into somebody, <laughs> they're going to keep testing. They're going to keep doing testing. Sure, sure. Should they stop? And you know, I'm I'm not opposed to testing. What I'm opposed to is I'm opposed to placing undue emphasis on a particular metric. Mm-hmm. So, um, the ACT and the SAT, for example, like we got a lot of data on those showing that overall, um, just. If you're white and you're Asian, you're going to score better than somebody who's Hispanic. So if you're white and Asian, like, uh, or like Asian. that guy that killed all those people. <laughs> oh. So, yeah. so what what I'm opposed to is is using any particular metric to say this is exactly how you're going to succeed or not succeed. Uh, so if you're if you're white or you're Asian, you're going to score just on average higher than somebody who's Hispanic on those kind of tests, SAT, ACT. And if you're Hispanic, you're going to score, on average, higher than somebody who's black. Uh, And that's the data. Now, how do you interpret that data? You can interpret it like a lot of the people in my book, which is to say, oh, well, obviously that means whites and Asians are superior. Although they would not have said Asians are superior because they hated Asians. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, Get back on the railroad. (laughs) That's right. Get back to building that (laughs) transcontinental railroad. Uh, they, They would have said... 
you know, no, well, obviously this shows that whites are smarter than Hispanics or are smarter than blacks. Uh, or you can look at it like most of us today do through a more nuanced view, which is, oh, maybe there are some environmental differences that are driving these population differences. Um, not to say that there aren't differences between individuals, because there are. Yeah. You know, um, we're not the, the tabula rosa, right? So no, we're not. not. We're not a blank slate when we come in here. But I think what we see, though, is we see that most of the differences within a population, you know, then you can say, you know, these are probably genetic differences. But most of the differences between populations seem to be explained more easily by environmental differences and by social differences. Um, because you see much more heterogeneity within a particular quote-unquote racial group than you see between racial groups. Um, so there's larger differences in IQ within the quote-unquote Caucasian race than there are differences between African Americans and Caucasians. And so you have to think, okay, well, what are causing those differences then? And it's probably not genetics. Uh, I mean, I think most of our most of our research is showing it's not genetics. It's well, yeah. That's the thing about your your book is that the it seems like a hundred years ago people would just sort of assume they just had a strongly hereditary bias. They would assume that basically, if there's an unexplained difference, probably it was genetics. And, yes. And nowadays, I, I feel like we've gone pretty much completely the other way, uh, to where like people like Gould. And 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 you hear modern social movements will say, well, like there are no, there are no genetic differences. All humans right. come from some like base population that has the same curve, and there's no, there's no differences besides pigmentation and maybe hair and. I think you're gonna say folds. folds. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah there's, there's a few minor ornamental differences. Ornamental. I didn't say oriental. <laughs> <laughs> little surface surface differences, and and there are no there are no um, like they would say there's no measurable differences between men and women on you know anything other than maybe you know the ability to dunk, which by the way I don't have. <coughs> no, me Most either. people don't have. <laughs> I was able to in high school. You were Whoa. not. But not anymore. You were not after I after I ones. broke both ankles, I was no longer <laughs> able to dunk. So, dude, six foot. So six you foot dunk? Yeah, that Cut is this out. insane. This is, I don't. This is unbelievable. Art. We'll lose our audience. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, these people are obviously out of their minds. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't like Air Jordaning. No, I could but go up and you could dunk. not. I'm six yeah. two. I couldn't get close. Really? Not with the ninjas. Yeah. Insane. You're a fucking spud web of one dude. Right <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I could. That's but, then, cool. but then I broke one ankle, and then I was having trouble doing it. Then I broke the other ankle, and it was like, nope. <laughs> was it the dunking that made no you more. break your ankles? Uh, yes. There it is. The basketball was <laughs> was what made me break my ankles. It wasn't just Were you at an in one contest where they just break an ankle all over the place? Is that what happened? <laughs> no. Were you part of the jackass cast? <laughs> Were you part of the jackass? I wish. <laughs> then I would have made some money. <laughs> yeah. But no, instead of just pain. But, but. Sorry, back to the thing. I, I do feel like we've gone so far there that we're so anti-hereditarian now sure. that we deny the possibility of, of uh, heritable differences. Yeah, and, and, and like he was getting that with the so. tabula rosa. science, right? Like,
Yeah, I mean, we, we've got fantastic evidence showing that, hey, people are different, and they vary on different things. So people vary on personality variables. People vary on um, mental health. They vary on physical health. They vary on intelligence scores through these kinds of standardized tests. But I think the problem is, is that that kind of hereditarian view through things like eugenics, for example got such a negative connotation that you see exactly what you're talking about, Damon. You see people going the complete opposite direction where there are no differences, mm-hmm. which is complete and we're all bullshit. Everyone's a blank slate. Right, everyone's all a blank slate. We come in and it's culture and we know it's not. Uh, if you look, for example, at IQ scores, we see about 75% of that tends to be heredity. Uh, if you look, The twin studies? Or what? Yeah, twin studies. Um, if you look at things like the big five personality factors, uh, ocean, openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, neuroticism, we see that those vary anywhere from 45 to about 75% in terms of uh, heritability. So yeah, obviously there's a cultural influence, but it's not an either-or proposition, which is what people seem to do, right? So they, they go for, oh, well, it's either hereditarian or it's completely culturally driven. And it's not. It's an interaction effect, right? It's, it's not this either-or sort of dichotomy that people tend to try and, and make it be. What's funny about this is that anthropology has gone from racist assholes to this whole world in which race does not exist. Not even a little bit. Not even a thing. It's absolutely a social construct, and it's nothing else. We made it all up. Dogs are not like hearing by anthropology. And, and, and it's not like people from Ireland have a higher chance of specific genetic <laughs> Yeah, no, no, Because no. that would be racism. <laughs> yeah. I say this is someone descended from Irishmen. <laughs> and Irish women. And Puerto Ricans. <laughs> and I'm a total <laughs> for obvious reasons. Yeah, but I, Cut that I, out. Yeah, but I, I, th- I think this is, is sort of more emblem- uh, emblematic of how we as humans tend to approach problems and information, right? So mm-hmm. we don't like nuance. <laughs> we like dichotomy. Yeah, right. I like mm-hmm. to put things into a, a specific label and box, and that's what I like. It's either hereditary or it's culturally driven. And when I start talking about the interaction effects, I start going, oh, I just don't like this. No, no. I, I like my neat, discrete categories rather than what the world actually looks like, which is messy and dimensional and on a curve. If there's yeah. just one thing I could help people skeptic up with, like just one thing, it would be stop thinking in dichotomies. Yeah. Think in terms of curves. Think in terms of probabilities. Think in terms of a zero on one end and a one on the other and a whole range in between. Absolutely. Think fuzzy logic. Don't think binary logic. Right. But that's what we naturally do. And we love it. Yeah. And we and we argue and get about to get up it, and right? yell and scream. And then yeah. you know. zero one <laughs> zero <laughs> one Democrat Republican Democrat Republican. <laughs> yeah. And if you say demo Republican, then people get all angry at you and pick a side. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you fucking fence sitter. That's right. Why are you gonna be that way? Why do I have to have a nuanced view of the world? Because that's how the world is, right? I mean, that, that's what actually happens. It makes me very angry. <laughs> Which is unfortunately what we see. No. Yeah. Several text messages about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's terrible. But I, I think that's a huge thing that we, we, we miss as a culture is 
things are much more messy than you think they are. Yeah. Uh, but we like it. We like those easy, pat, simple explanations. Whether it's for why certain people are more likely to have lower SES, uh, or whether it's for you know who caused this or that to happen. That's socioeconomic status. Good one. Sorry. Audio footnotes. <laughs> well, I think we've taken up enough. I think we've done. I think we've pretty much Caleb's covered time, it. Yeah. So, how can people find you on the internet? Uh, they can go to calebblack.com or kaleblack.com. Uh, either C- way, C-A-L-E it works. C A L E B L A C K dot com. Kale Black. That sounds awesome. Uh, that's my evil twin who has a full head of hair and no beard. Uh, sort of Star Trek reference. And there. no broken ankles. That's right. He still dunks. Uh, <laughs> so you can go to that's my full website. It's kaleblack.com. Uh, you can find me on Skeptic Inc., where I write about issues like we've been talking about. Skeptic uh, Inc., that, I've heard of that. Skeptic Inc. Damien also happens to write for Skeptic Inc. Just visit Skeptic Inc., you guys. Skepticinc.com. Uh, I, I blog at uh, Great Plains Skeptic on there. Or GPS. Or GPS. Skepticinc.com slash GPS. GPS will not lead you astray. Uh, and nope. You can also follow me on uh, Facebook and Twitter. Um, although I don't twit nearly as prolifically as these other two gentlemen. Yeah, but you can coax him on to Twitter by tagging him. Sometimes I, I, I do, I do come in and, and jump in and yeah. make witty statements. So. <laughs> get annoyed with the binary nature. So. And, and, then, yes, <laughs> yeah. and then I become very angry with it. And I, I can't stop, do nuance so. in this video. <laughs> How am I supposed to have a nuanced <laughs> argument in a hundred characters? <laughs> I'm used to talking for 30 to 45 minutes on a particular topic. You can always link to a SoundCloud. That's right. <laughs> that's maybe that's what I'll start doing. It's just link Here's to... Here's my answer. That's right. Here's my answer. Hashtag nuance. So, uh, yeah. Awesome. Look me Thanks up. a lot for having uh, us. Uh, we sure. We look forward to uh, more collaborations with you in the future. Sounds Absolutely. Good. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right. For the Blue Ball Skeptics, this is Damien. This is Chaz. And we're here with Kale Black. Or Caleb Black. (laughs) One of those. (laughs) Have a great evening, everyone. Bye!